Columbus is growing. Here at the Dispatch, we wanted to take a step back and look at what all this growth means. This program will explore the future of Columbus and Central Ohio. This is What's Next. Hi, my name is Emily Williams. I'm a reporter with the Columbus Dispatch's Metro Desk. And today I'm talking with Alex Bandar, the founder and CEO of the Columbus Idea Foundry, a collaborative makerspace based in Franklinton. Thanks so much for being with us today. My great pleasure. So can you explain for us what is a makerspace? <laughs> sure. So a makerspace is kind of like a gym for tools. Uh, we have everything from 3D printing to blacksmithing. We teach classes on all of our tools. And then we sell memberships. So people can come and go as they please, uh, build art projects, retail products, innovations, uh, hang out with a whole community of creative and techie people. And the Idea Foundry as it is today is pretty large. It's 60,000 square feet in a building that used to be a shoe factory, but as I understand it, did not start that way. So can you describe the first iteration of what the Idea Foundry was? Sure. So we started in 2008 in a small garage that uh, was so old that they had poured the concrete right before we moved in. So it was a dirt floor for, I don't know how many years, they put electric in for us, very kind of them, and uh, did that for about two years, built a community of people who really enjoyed making things, teaching classes, hanging out together. Uh, We quickly outgrew that space and then moved to uh, a new location. Uh, Went from 2,400 square feet to 10,000 square feet on Corrugated Way in uh, the Milo Grogan district and spent about four years there, expanded a couple of times into the adjacent units. And then a few years ago, we were invited by Jim Sweeney, who was the executive director of the Franklinton Development Association, to come take over this beautiful building in Franklinton and help revive the neighborhood with art, education, technology, creativity, and uh, we were glad to move about three years ago, filled out the first floor with all the workstations, and only recently, about three, four months ago, completed the renovation of our second floor, which is a new co-working space. It's been a long ride, can't believe it's already nine years, and it really feels like we're just starting. So in Franklinton, what's the Idea Foundry's relationship with that neighborhood right now? Yeah, uh, so Franklinton was in a floodplain for 80 years, which meant that no one would insure, and so nobody built. And that meant that it was a tough space. It was geographically the bottoms, the lowest uh, altitude uh, region in Columbus, and economically also called the bottoms. So uh, after the flood wall was built about 20 years ago, the city thought, great, developers will go in, they'll buy houses, they'll rehab them, they'll flip them. And, uh, and that didn't happen because 80 years of legacy crime and poverty meant that you can buy a house for 5, 10K now, you can throw $100,000 of rehab into it and not be able to sell it for 50. So the city, the local community development corporation realized that you needed to inject some life into the space. You needed to change the perception of the neighborhood from the bottoms into an arts and innovation district. And that was something that, again, Jim Sweeney uh, started about 12, 13 years ago with the uh, Urban Scrawl. Uh, kind of art open air uh, painting program, and then uh, invited us about uh, you know three years ago. So uh, and now you know Land Grant Brewing is next to us. 400 West Rich was really the pioneer in the in the neighborhood. They started offering uh, art studio space and hosting events. Now it's got the Strongwater Food and Spirits Restaurant. It has an event space, and now there are two giant uh, residential projects coming up out of the ground. The Kaufman Project called Gravity will have I think maybe 300 units for young professionals, uh, restaurants 
coffee shops, retail space, and then Casto is also developing a 700-unit space for young professionals with a very high affordability component. About 20% of those will be for local folks, for artists, for entrepreneurs. So they're keeping the character of the neighborhood, they're keeping uh, the folks who want to be there, uh, and bringing in new blood too. So uh, we've been a grateful partner in that whole project. So at the Idea Foundry, you say that it's a physical space, but that it's also a state of mind. So what do you mean by that? Sure. So, you know, you might think an analogous business to us is a gym. So the gym has, you know, a couple thousand subscribers. They might only have 10 or 20 bikes there. So at any moment, you only see a handful of folks actually using the space, but everyone who belongs to a gym is interested in uh, personal improvement and getting fit and, and being their best possible person. So we've got hundreds of members. You don't see all of them every day at the foundry. There, there are some who certainly do earn their living and make their products and perform their services at the foundry. But we keep a, a robust online community so that people can keep engaged. Uh, if they find a really interesting thing on Facebook or uh, find a great magazine article, they can share it with everyone. And you see a lot of traffic, a lot of uh, tips and tricks being shared, and a lot of vitality in that online community. And I think you know, that is the, uh, the, the culture of this kind of social-making movement. Uh, for maybe a third of our members, we're a productive place for them to make their products and run their businesses. For the other two-thirds, you might call us a social club with tools, so people who just like to be part of that culture. And with respect to your mindset question, I think nobody is surprised if an artist is compelled to create. Uh, if they stay up three days straight painting or sculpting or, or doing whatever, but I don't think there's a name yet for a person who who is compelled to make things that function. You don't have you have the crazy inventor, you've got tinkerers, but I think there is a group of people who have exactly the same compulsion to perform and make and do, but what they do is repair things, bring them back to uh, proper function, or create things from whole cloth. We've been calling those people makers recently. I think there's probably a better word yet, uh, and uh, maybe you can help us find it. So that community of makers and having this maker space, what do you think that's adding to Columbus right now? Sure. So uh, first off, I can say that we teach classes every month. And so we've been doing this for, for years. So there are several thousand people who uh, now know how to 3D print or laser cut or weld or blacksmith uh, or have taken a business seminar or a marketing class or programming class at the Foundry. So there's the educational component for what I might call adult hobbyists or or maybe people who have a day job but are interested in a second side business. Then we also do educational programming too for the K-12 communities. So we've been working with Homeless Families Foundation, uh, with the United Schools Network, with Columbus Metropolitan Libraries. So there's a K-12 uh, aspect to inspiring kids to have uh, hobbies or careers in, in STEM and STEAM, in art and tech. And then our community proper, again, about 400 workshop members, uh, a couple hundred co-working members. For them, we're a place where they can make their products, run their businesses, network with other professionals. Uh, I like to say rather flippantly, on our workshop space, you can take an idea and turn it into a product. And in our co-working area, you can meet people who can help take that product and turn it into a business. So for them, it's uh, really a professional one-stop ecosystem for creative and tech startups. Uh, and then uh, we also like to have some mischief, too, and uh, have events like drone racing that are just pure fun. Uh, they have a little bit of educational and tech component to it also, certainly a lot of skill. So we're glad to pay it forward and, and tell the city of Columbus, tell our other partners, hey, this exciting stuff is happening uh, in Franklinton, uh, in Columbus, in Ohio, uh, be a, be a pace setter for this interesting new culture. 
kind of on the flip side of that, what do you think Columbus as a city is doing for you and for your business that makes it work here? So nine years ago, I had the decision to either make the Idea Foundry a 501c3 nonprofit and mainly focus on education or to be a, a for-profit business. And now I like to call us a for-more-than-profit or a, a social enterprise, you know, a, a business with heart. So if I had started as a nonprofit, it might have been easier to get uh, city, county, state, federal grants to stand up an economic development program. And I didn't realize that's actually what we do now it is economic development. But thankfully, the uh, the city department of development uh, came to us a couple of years ago, and they said, "Hey, whether you know it or not, you're helping create jobs. You're helping to upskill and reskill uh, a new workforce." So they were kind enough to give us a, a grant to run pro business seminars and to be very entrepreneurial. The uh, the city finance fund originally did the feasibility study to see if you could put a business in that 100-year-old building we now occupy. So grateful to them. And then Mayor Coleman, uh, he really had a vision when the previous tenant left. It was going to be a motorcycle company after the shoe factory that you had mentioned. When they left, the city was afraid the building would turn to blight. Uh, And so they bought it and they donated it to the Franklinton Development Association, now rebranded as Fuel, the Franklinton Urban Empowerment Lab, with the new executive director, uh, Mr. Jack Story, good friend. And they cast about and they found us. And so I think the city, by having the vision to take this amazing warehouse and to gift it to the local neighborhood and say, find something that'll help, um, that'll be fun, that'll be productive, that'll be educational. And uh, I think that was a, a hell of a great vision. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. So at the Idea Foundry, the people that work on your personal team, the makers, the entrepreneurs that have their businesses there, what's that community like? And is that a culture that you set out to create or did you kind of let it develop on its own? Yeah, that's a great question. So let's go back to the inception of the Idea Foundry. Um, I'm a metallurgist by training, so I know about metals, and I was working in industry and thought I was pretty smart. had clients from Apple to the Defense Department to uh, Intel. And uh, then uh, my sister, while I studied engineering metallurgy, she became an artistic metalsmith and uh, a jeweler and a sculptor and a professor at uh, Johnson State College in Vermont. And she invited me once to give a guest lecture to her art students to teach them the science of heat and beat. You know, heat up a piece of steel and forge it into a blade, heat up a piece of silver and smith it into a bracelet, and went there hoping to teach them something useful. I found out in a heartbeat I couldn't teach them anything practical, and they were all better welders and blacksmiths and machinists. They were better makers than I was. So very quickly I realized, you know, I desperately wanted the talent they had, which is to actually realize their ideas. If I had an idea, maybe I could write a computer program about it. I could design an alloy, you know, who does that? <laughs> but uh, really was envious of her and her art students' capabilities to, to realize things. I didn't want to go back to school to learn 3D design, welding, things like that. I'd had enough of college, but uh, thankfully. Uh, but that's when I realized that YouTube is now the world's university. So you can learn nearly anything online. Uh, GoPro plus YouTube is a great way to teach, 
And uh, free design software means you can design 3D shapes very easily. Machines like laser cutters and 3D printers mean you don't have to do what my sister did, which was apprentice for years before she could make something of value. Now if you can design it, and there's free software to do that, and you can learn how to do that for free on YouTube, there are machines which will make that product for you. And then crowdfunding is a great way to put fuel in your tank. So I started to, I just wanted to be part of that culture and had a few tools in my basement in my garage, quickly got a little bored and didn't want to be the weird hermit working out uh, on strange things in my garage and uh, rented uh, this, the first industrial space we had, bought a few tools, made a website, threw our shingle on the door and waited for people to come in. And I thought there's this enormous you know, uh, group of people waiting to jump into this kind of collective gym for building. And for two years, it was pretty much me and the wind and the mice. You know, we had a couple dozen folks after a year or two who were hardcore volunteers, but still no paying members, no regular classes. But since then, just hustle and grit and uh, keeping at the uh, at the at the business, it's grown over nine years and resonated with creatives and techies in town. And they bring both their talent and their passion, but also their their fun and their mischief. So. Uh, I couldn't be more delighted to have discovered that not only are the students probably going to be around a thousand people who are members of ours, not only <laughs> do they like to pay it forward, help people make things, have great ideas themselves, but uh, they're a whole lot of fun to be with too. And having been over there and seen the workshop and also the, the co-working space upstairs, it's a lot of people doing a lot of very mm -hmm. different things in one shared space. So could you give us a few examples of some of the the things that they're making right now over there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's funny, I'm glad that now organically you walk into the shop and we have enough energy and momentum that you can see people working on electric motorcycles, on drones, on fine art, on sculpture, on software. But years ago, we were applying for a grant from the Columbus Foundation to help us move to Franklinton. And we were still much more bare bones, still had a much leaner community. And so I actually staged people to be at various workstations so as we brought the executives from the Columbus Foundation it was Michael Wilkos through it was almost comical how people just started acting and moving and doing great things and I told them you know look productive look intelligent look attractive you know be be everything you can be and I hope it came off as charming rather than uh, forced thankfully uh, we did get the grant we're grateful to the Columbus Foundation but yeah now we had uh, we had an event today with Magellan Health so they had 60 chief innovation officers in our event space holding a luncheon and talking about innovation. We had two of our friends, Nick and Todd, working on their electric and electric hybrid motorcycles. We have uh, folks building furniture. We've got a new coffee shop opening up shortly, so Stoffs is moving into our lobby area, and we're proud that all of the tables, all the shelving, they were all made by our members too. So it's a huge mix, and that's that's a great strength. I call it it's a lot like the community of people you find on a college campus. Students and teachers, artists and engineers, web developers and business developers. But unlike college being a uh, you know temporary period of your life, we're a lifelong learning center. So you can choose to stay with us as long as you like, and you build a lot of friendships that way too. And in that community, you and some of the other members have a pretty unique philosophy and uh, way that you live your life. Mm. Um, so can you describe that a little bit? Partly the, the focus on, on quantifying things that sure. I think some people think you 
may not be able to quantify. Yeah, it's funny. At first I thought you were referencing our motto, which is knowledge, talent, and mischief. And that's one of my uh, proudest things about the shop. But there are there are maybe half a dozen or a dozen of us who are inspired by the uh, Timothy Ferris four-hour workweek kind of model of living. And when you mentioned earlier, there's a mindset to being a maker. There's a mindset to this, you know, uh, self-actualizing, empowering yourself. And now that you can really lower barriers to entry for education. You can learn a new computer program uh, language in a couple of months. Uh, there are code camps, boot camps, three or four months. You can get a high-paying job. Don't have to go back to college for that. Uh, the internet allows people to share tips and tricks where you can discover, hmm, this diet actually works pretty well in a way that's really counterintuitive to what we grew up in school thinking of the food pyramid. There are folks who say, uh, instead of hoping that you have a productive life, a nine-to-five job, and then in the uh, after hours when you go home, maybe you've got a few hours free to do what you like, to have a hobby or hang out with friends. Hopefully you have a few extra bucks in your bank account to go do something fun. Instead, there was a great one of our members, Michael Cow. He was a uh, Honda engineer, actually designed or managed the design of the interior of the NSX supercar. Uh, but he also started a 3D printing company, and he was also married and had a, a newborn and he was at the bar, bending an elbow, uh, enjoying a beer, and I asked him, how the hell are you doing all this? Full-time professional engineer, full-time entrepreneur, full-time husband and dad, and and, uh, and he introduced me to this concept of lifestyle design, where he said, hey, look, flip this backwards. Instead of doing a little bit, going to your job, doing this and that, and then hoping you have some free time and some fun, design your life around what you want to do and then lead your business, lead your life as if it were a business. Don't just leave to chance the fact that hopefully I can get to my passions or hobbies or fun. If that's important to you, and at, you know, at the end of the day, life is short. Uh, 50 years will go by in a heartbeat, and I will have uh, fewer regrets if I know that I live my life in a way that I, I put my kind of interests and passions first. And so a number of us use time tracking apps which uh, keep track of uh, how much time did I surf on Facebook today versus uh, working on my application for some grant? Or um, are there apps that track my calories, my exercise? Uh, there are wearables that can track your steps. And uh, a whole science of personal behavior that can help you run your life like a business where the goals aren't necessarily to make money, they're to live your passion. It sounds a little bit cult-like, and uh, that's why I'm a little bit cheapish speaking about it, but I tell you, it's, it's worked wonders for me as a procrastinative person who would just stay up all night, try to get stuff done. Uh, time discipline actually gives you a lot of freedom and liberty. So for anyone listening who feels like they have great ideas a lot of times, but never really get to see those ideas play out, someone who thinks that they're creative, but doesn't really get to see the results of that. How can we be more productively creative? You know, this is a this is a great question. And I think one of our jobs is to holler from the hilltops to anyone who wants to listen that uh, everyone's an innovator, everyone's an artist. Uh, there's a lot of um, the barriers to entry for designing something, making something, doing something are so low now. And it, it's really exciting. So we'd love to start up a uh, kind of a video magazine or a video blog. We'll probably call it Knowledge, Talent, and Mischief, where the knowledge portion, we're talking about the classes we have. The talent portion will probably highlight one of our makers and show the art, show the products, show the things they're doing. The mischief part, we'll talk about some of the fun we have. And uh, I'd love to uh, to give a voice to the folks who are doing these kinds of amazing things so they can inspire others. I like to consider one of our missions is to empower locally 
but inspire globally. So give a productive place to you know a thousand or two thousand people here in central Ohio, but then broadcast to the planet about what those folks are doing thanks to this new knowledge sharing economy and uh, some fun, creative, and productive tech. So this is part of our last section of the Cebus Next series about the future of Columbus, mm-hmm. and this section is dedicated to innovators. Mm-hmm. So. Who to you is an innovator? What does an innovator look like? You know, that's that's another great question too. So first, you know, uh, let's look at what the word innovation means. And of course, it means novel, it means new. Uh, but I know folks who call themselves chief innovation officers, and they'll define innovation as intentionally bringing value. So it's not just the serendipitous connection or discovery, but maybe creating an environment which can encourage those sudden spontaneous um, discoveries but then also what's value you know uh, what's important uh, so uh, this is one of the things that we pride ourselves on at the shop again being a, a for more than profit business because it only works <laughs> the whole business only works if we're providing value to the community of innovators in central ohio we're always kind of asking what tools do you need what classes do you want and then we try to pivot uh, as quickly and as agilely as we can to provide those needs. So I'm always impressed with folks who have a foot in both worlds. I think innovation comes from people who have uh, a slightly different perspective than most of the people who are operating in that field. So if you're a software engineer, but you um, cast silver jewelry uh, in the evenings, and I just met a fellow who does that today, I think you're, you're going to bring something different programming and something different to art because you have those different dimensions and a place where you can get those creative collisions where you have artists and techies talking to each other uh, that's where really uh, really great stuff happens so I'd say an innovator is anyone who's looking outside their sphere for something different and intentionally trying to use that new perception new experience new connection to bring value to themselves, their company, the planet, the world, their neighbors. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing with us about the work that you do at the Idea Foundry. Thanks so much for having me. It's a great pleasure.